<laughs> hey guys, guess what? <laughs> knock knock. Who's there? Hey, it's me, Tyler MV, and welcome to the Game Savvy Podcast. <laughs> Today I'm joined by Steven <laughs> and M. <laughs> We're joining me straight from Game Savvy headquarters, which is headquartered all across the world. <clears throat> Emily, what are you playing lately? Um, Fire Emblem still. And how is that going? Great. I'm plus 200 hours into Fire Emblem. So... <laughs> you feel accomplished? <laughs> yeah, I do, actually. Have you made a lot of relationships? Yeah, that's basically why I keep playing it so much. <laughs> Uh, the big twist happened to that game, and I can't bring myself to play the game anymore. I was like, that's it. That's it for me. Can't believe which oh, one, because on. there's a hold lot on, of guys. stuff that happens. Hold on, guys. Possible Fire Emblem spoilers incoming. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, spoiler alert. If you haven't finished Fire Emblem, pause Stop this. Stop watching. Go play. Seconds um, from here on. I'll put it in the show notes so people can just, like, skip ahead. Uh, but when Edelgard betrays you, she was, like, my favorite character. So I was like, no, nah, I'm, like, I'm out. I spent so much time training her and giving her experience and battling with her. And then all of a sudden I, lo I lost her and I was like, no, nah, I've got no reason to play anymore. But also you could just play the Edelgard route and then she's your friend and you can marry her and be happy forever. No. She was like, join my side. I was like, no, nah, you're evil now. You didn't join the bad side? No, I didn't. Yeah. So I was, I was like, I was like the, the, the Black Eagles. And then she, the big twist happened. And then she was mm -hmm. like, join me. And I was like, no, you're a bad guy. Well, that's the boring route. I always side with the bad guy. Empire, way better. Empire is way better, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, and on the other side of the podcast, we got Stephen Jones. Stephen, what are you playing lately? I'm just replaying Red Dead again. <laughs> Red Dead 2? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going for those Arthur Morgan feels? Yeah, I like to be sad. My no face. <laughs> Never ended. It's a fantastic game. I've been meaning to get back into it, but I just have too many video games on the go. And like Pokemon's coming out this week, and we'll talk about that a little bit into the podcast. But like, I need to get through Link's Awakening and uh, the Outer Worlds before I jump into Pokemon. So Yeah, I started the Outer Worlds, and then I'm just like, Red Dead looks pretty good again. <laughs> <laughs> Why, did you find it boring? No, I didn't. I loved it. I loved what, everything that I've played of it. I mean, it's basically just Futurama with Firefly smashed together, and that's everything that I love. Mm -hmm. But Arthur Morgan. <laughs> On one hand, <laughs> I had a plan. So today we've got a pretty good show. Death Stranding just came out, so we're going to get into some Death Stranding reviews and check out what people are saying about that game. Pokemon Sword and Shield is coming out this Friday, so we're going to talk about that and what we're pumped about and what we're not pumped about. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is also coming out. Mass Effect just had a big N7 day, and we've got some feature content on the website we're going to talk about, as well as some upcoming games you can play, and some fan content that we got from Twitter, some questions that we're going to answer on the podcast. So stick around! I keep looking up to my camera, but I'm using my webcam camera, and so I'm like getting really confused. So every time like, hey guys, it's me, Tyler and B, I'm like not looking at the camera. I'm We're looking at my own face, so when I'm looking down the whole time, that's why. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So stay tuned. And the intro is gonna play, so I can. So guys, Death Stranding is out. Uh, it's been a long anticipated wait for this uh, cryptic yet cinematic game that we didn't know what to make of it. Um, I was looking up the reviews and they are pretty mixed. On IGN uh, in the US, it got a 6.8 out of 10. And then in Japan, it got like a, I can't remember, I think it was like a 9.1 or something. Almost um, all the other IGNs gave it like a nine something. 
Yeah, so it's really just the U.S. And I think Kojima came out and made a statement today. And he was like, yeah, the U.S. people don't really get it because they're used to first-person shooters. Um, and they're used to walking simulators. But this game is neither. So, like, the French and the Italians have a better understanding of art forms. And so they understand it. And the U.S. people don't understand it. Which is, like, I think he was trying to insult the U.S. population. It was kind of interesting. So, I don't know. What do you guys make of, like, the divisiveness of this video game? And maybe, M, we'll start with you. It's not really my type of game, so I can understand the people who aren't really into it. I think that a lot of people were expecting a lot from it, mm-hmm. and it didn't quite live up gameplay-wise, but it definitely lived up art-wise. So I think it's more if you see a game as an art form and you're cool with that, or if you want something that was actually like fun to play. Yeah. But like games can do that. They can be an art form, but then also be fun. Like if you yeah. Like, um, What's that big walking sim, uh, Gone Home? Like, I enjoyed that. I love the story. I love the puzzle aspect of it. It, it. Like, artistically and narratively, it was pretty good. And all you did was walk around and interact with things. But you're, you're getting kind of that mixed message of people being like, this is a really boring game. And I think you're right. I think it, it does come down to that expectations of... I mean, the, the trailers looked action-packed. There was a lot of walking, but, like, the trailers looked like things were jumping out at you and you were shooting at them. And... I mean, it looked pretty good. And I guess with the high expectations of Kojima games, like you're going to get that expectation with Kojima period. So I don't know, Stephen, what do you make of the divisiveness of this? Um, well, I love Kojima games. Okay. I mean, Metal Gear Solid, probably, Metal Gear Solid 3 is like my second favorite game of all time. And like, I'm really pumped for it because it just looks like a super interesting sci-fi, post-apocalyptic, like, but it does, at the same point, it does look very, like, lackluster in gameplay. Mm-hmm. It does look like there is a lot of walking. There is a lot of maybe more, you have to look for the, uh, you have to look for the message in it more than, like, how a lot of us American people are. We just like to have things handed to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And you said you watched a couple streams of it, but you haven't played it. Um, do you have any comments on, like, the gameplay? Like, is it more walking sim, or is it, like, is there a lot more combat? I watched probably half an hour of streaming of it mm-hmm. last week, and all I saw was cutscenes. So, oh. lots of cutscenes. <laughs> That's Kojima. <laughs> yeah, there is, the, there is that rumor out there that Kojima's just trying to make a movie, and he's just taking the long route to it. Yeah. That would make sense. I mean, in terms of really good motion capture, it looks amazing. So, mm-hmm. like, and it's funny because I was reading up reviews today to prep for the podcast. I don't own a PlayStation, so I can't really jump into it. But like, I, I was reading the reviews, and I kind of like came to the same conclusion. I wrote this little like tidbit. So, like, um, it, I said, according to the reviews, it's an elegant yet boring walking simulator that's action packed with combat, and the people who don't like the game aren't intelligent enough to get to get it. Well, the people who like the games are just Kimjiba fanboys, and we're going to like it no matter what. Like, based on Reddit comments and based on Twitter and based on the reviews, like, that's kind of my, like, ultimate, I don't know, conclusion of what Death Stranding is. It sounds accurate. Got to put my lip chap on. Here. <laughs> Do it slower. I don't know. It's a weird game. I think from the get-go, like, when you started watching the trailers, you're like, I don't get it. And I think <laughs> the reviews came out, and I think people just don't get it. And the, the people who do get it love it, which is great. But do we really want to think that hard when it comes to video games? I do not at all. I mean, heard- you just want to like jump in and play and have fun. Like there are some games who do it really well. Bioshock's got a great narrative, but you don't really have to think too much about it. They're just kind of like, yeah, this is the story and you're a part of it. Well, they like lay it out in front of you. I mean, sometimes we don't really need that. Sometimes we do need more of a, like a cerebral thing something you have to think about yeah like a show don't tell kind of aspect of it yeah yeah so you like kojima games you said you're a uh, self self-proclaimed uh kojima stan um <laughs> don't call it that <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you like about kojima games well i like uh, they they're like, why are they different from other games i wouldn't say that they're always different but they are always they're a lot of them are better stories like Metal Gear Solid 3 was my favorite game from the time it came out up until last year when I played Red Dead. 
Like, I mean, the whole reason I'm playing a game is because I want a good story. So if I can get that from someone like Kojima rather than someone like Activision, I like a story. Yeah. That's what I'm for. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. The the internet's just so divisive on this game, which makes it like really like if you guys had a PlayStation, would you buy this game? I do have a PlayStation. I just think that I'm too impatient for it. Yeah. I was actually reading the reviews. I was thinking about what I said on the last podcast about games that play on my biggest fears. And basically everything that everyone wrote in the reviews that was going on, I was like, this would make me so like frustrated. <laughs> and it's basically everything I hate. <laughs> going slow, too many cutscenes. One person said, what was it that they said? Insufferable tube, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Those are called children. Jesus. That's that's definitely gonna be my Twitter handle. Insufferable tube baby. Oh, no. <laughs> what review is that from? Oh oh, where was that one from? I'll have to find it. That's the I'll greatest, find it later. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Insufferable tube baby. That's really good. And I think I might start using that as an insult. If that might have been was- from one of the IGN ones, actually. If Game Savvy does a review, it's got to be like Death Stranding, Insufferable Two Babies, and more. <laughs> that is so more than just Two Babies. Yeah. Well, if you guys at home uh, listening or watching, uh, again, I'm looking at the wrong camera. Uh, if you guys at home watching have played Death Stranding and you've got comments to make on the game, uh, comment below. We'd love to hear what you guys are thinking about the game. Um, and I'm very certain that the comments are going to be pretty divisive as well. But another game that's coming out this week that I think is also pretty divisive because so much news has been coming out and it's not all the best news, uh, but Pokemon Shield is releasing this week. I am super excited for it. It's the first console Pokemon uh, that we'll be getting. Um, But one of the things uh, that came out was like an unofficial Pokemon list. And so it showed all the Pokemon that are included and all the Pokemon that aren't included. Um, For the video people, I'm gonna throw it up right now on the screen. Um, but there were just some things that I wanted to point out on this list. Um, and I'm going to pull it up. Here we go. So the first thing I noticed was looking at the original 150 starters. Um, and Charizard, like Charmander, Charmeleon, and Charizard are in the game. But Squirtle the Bulbasaur, Squirtle and Bulbasaur aren't in the game. Which I think Not is worth so playing, then. <laughs> it's so weird, right? Why would you include the Charmander? Which, again, is probably arguably the most popular of the original starters. But at the same time, why would you not include Bulbasaur and Squirtle in there? To punish them. He's a crowd favorite. It's Is, fan you think they're just including Charmander there because he's a crowd favorite, but not Bulbasaur and Squirtle? Yeah, because, I mean, let's face facts. Bulbasaur may be the best starter. Oh, shit. Here we go. But Charmander, I mean, he's edgy. He's a lizard that's lit on fire. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I would th- I would say that uh, Charmander is probably like the uh, the cool guy of the group. Squirtle would be the bad boy, and then Bulbasaur would be the, the most wholesome skilled, mom friend. The most skilled, but the less celebrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like me. Yeah, he's the consistent guy carrying the team, but doesn't get the credit because he's not as flashy. He's the support character. Yeah, for sure. I remember playing the original games. I had like this really good strategy with Venusaur that was like a, uh, you constrict the Pokemon, you put Toxic on him. There was a couple of strategies where the, like the, uh, your opposing Pokemon wouldn't move and then Toxic would keep putting down its HP and then you keep damaging him. And you'd also have Leech Life on them. So constantly your health was going up. They couldn't attack and their health just kept going down. It was like the ultimate strategy. It was perfect. Yeah, that's what we call being an asshole, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same strategy with Dratini too. I would Thunderbolt every character so I'd get to move first. And then I would use something else that would damage them over time. And then I would bind them so they couldn't attack or couldn't move. So it was literally, I would go first every single time. I'd be keep taking life from them. And then I would literally just watch their HP go down little by little the entire time. I'm a fucking master. And okay, here's my other thing too. Dratini and up to Dragonite is not in the game as well. That was my other beef. Dratini is my favorite Pokemon. <laughs> okay, well, my favorite Pokemon got a evolution in this one, so I'm kind of okay with that. Mr. Mime? 
No, Farfetch'd. <laughs> Why is your favorite Pokemon Farfetch'd? Because he's chill as fuck. I, I guess. Okay, fun fact. Uh, Marissa and I, when we were in elementary school together, uh, my wife Marissa, for the podcast listeners, um, I wanted her Farfetch'd card, and she wouldn't trade it to me, and I cried on the playground, and she still married me. Did she give you the card? Years later, as an anniversary present, she got me a Farfetch card. That's, but it wasn't the one. But it wasn't the one. It, I don't think it was. It might have been the one. I don't know. I have to ask her. But she did She did make up for it, so that's good. I guess. It's true love, guys. It's true love. Another weird thing about the Pokemon list on here is that they have Mew, but not Mewtwo. Okay. How is that weird? Because I feel like they're a symbiotic relationship. And you can't have one without the other. So why would you include one legendary without the other? Well, technically, you can't have Mew without Mewtwo. Because Mewtwo is just a clone of Mew. True. But is it not Mew (laughs) to include Mew over Mewtwo? Like, why wouldn't you include both? Because Mew is cuter. So you think that it's just more fan service? No, because if it was fan service, the Mewtwo would be in the game. Okay, but here's another question. Is it fan service for the kids? And including all the cute Pokemon, or is it fan service for the older generation who just want a more competitive game? I haven't looked at the list. Like, I've only seen a few things released on, uh, like, on Twitter and whatnot. Yeah. This isn't, like, an official list. This is more of kind of, like, a rumored list. But They're it's all pretty cute. Because. What was that? They're all pretty cute. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Except for the stupid ones. So what we do know is that not all of the Pokemon will be in the game. Um, I think you Final think, Count's like 445 or something, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think that's a miss by Nintendo, or are you okay not having a full list? I think it's... I think it's perfectly fine. I think it's... Now is a great time for a soft reboot of the franchise when it comes to all the Pokemon that are on there. Mm-hmm. Keep... What? 1,200 plus Pokemon? I can't remember what the final count is, but I thought it was 800 for some reason. No, it's more than that, though. Hold on. I care about, like, 10 Pokemon tops. Yeah. And I think that was my other question, is do we even want a full list? Because there are some pretty shitty Pokemon out there. Okay, so after... I think we're entering (laughs) Gen 8. Whichever generation we're about to uh, it's with the first seven generations are 807. So you were right. What's wrong? So like, I don't know. Do you guys think it's a miss by Nintendo or like, do we care? Like, cause there's some shitty Pokemon out there. So it's almost like better to have like, Hey, keep all the good ones and get rid of the shitty ones at this point. And I agree with yeah. you with the soft reboot. It is a good time. Emily, I feel like you had some, uh, some opinions on Pokemon. Um, I have some opinions on the ones on this list that are terrible. Give them to me. Okay. First of all, Sinus Tea is a teacup. Sinus Tea evolves into Poltegeist, which is a teapot. Garbage. Oh, they already did that one. Ice Cube is a penguin with an ice cube for a head. Let let that marinate for a bit. <laughs> Applin is an apple. <laughs> it evolves into Flapple, which is an apple peel, I guess. I don't even know. I'm laughing that so evolves- hard because it sounds like this is like your stand-up bit. And you're like in front of a, like a really nerdy crowd. And you're like, Apple, what's up with that Pokemon? Am I right? <laughs> I was making up stupid Pokemon, and these are stupider than the stupid ones I made up. So good job, guys. <laughs> It's true. They had this like string of time where they couldn't think of like good Pokemon. Like they had used every animal and bug they could think of. So they were just looking around the room and they're like, keychain, a keychain Pokemon. Teacup, Sandcastle Pokemon. Garbage Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. They literally made a garbage Pokemon. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually a fan of them not doing the full list. Steven, I like what you said about the, uh, the soft reboot. I think they kind of did that with Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. Um, but one of the other things that they're talking about in the game is uh, apparently in Let's Go 
Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. I didn't play them, but there was kind of like an XP all. And so like you'd battle with one Pokemon, but your whole team would get experience. And mm-hmm. I think that that might be included in this game as well. It's basically like everything has XP share equipped to it. Yeah. So for me, as a more older competitive generation gamer that was looking for a more core competitive game, I'm pretty disappointed with that because I like the grindy aspect of Pokemon games. And so that's why I'm thinking like they're keeping a lot of these cute fan favorite Pokemon in the game because they are going after that younger generation. And to me, I'm feeling like it's a miss by Nintendo a little bit. To not have all of them? To No, to have all of them, but just some of their choices, I would say. I mean, one of them is literally just a Dark Souls boss. Really? Which one? Uh, the um, the legendary Pokemon for Sword. It's mm-hmm. like the Grey Wolf Sif from uh, Dark Souls. Okay, but the one really, really good thing is they fixed Mr. Mime by making his evolution not terrifying. He has an evolution. Uh, did, did he get an evolution? Yeah, he did. His name is Mr. Rhyme, and he's got a little mustache. Mr. Oh, Rhyme. Okay. I hate this. I hate everything. <laughs> it makes me super happy. Does he look like a rapper? No, he looks like a fancy gentleman. He looks like a fancy gentleman. You need to look at this now. I'm going to throw it up for all you YouTube people, but for the podcast people, he does really look like a fancy gentleman. He's got a little bowler cap. Um, is that a guitar? or a, No, it's a cane. Yeah. yeah. He's, and he's got a thief on his belly. And that's it. That's Mr. Rhyme. That is the evolution of Mr. Rhyme. Yeah much that I hate about this. So I think in conclusion, I'm actually still extremely pumped about this game. Um, I kind of hope it delivers. I kind of hope it's a little more competitive that rumors have been suggesting. They've also released a couple of like what we think the evolutions of the starters are going to look like. And they look not great. Where is its face? Mr. Rhyme? Yeah. Is it on its belly? Where that giant... No. That it's on its head. No, that sounds like that. That's a misconception. That's where it wants you to think its head is. It's, it's actually its belly. It's a distraction. Exactly, like those butterflies that look like snakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a thing. Yep, absolutely. Mister Rhyme is my new favorite Pokemon. <laughs> Way to go! You have a bad opinion. Yeah. <laughs> So that's pretty much it. If you guys at home listening are pumped about Pokemon or not pumped about Pokemon, you can sound off in the comments below. Um, <laughs> but another game that's coming out on the same day is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Are you guys pumped for this game or are you not pumped for this game? I'm pretty pumped. Why? It looks cool. It's Star Wars. <laughs> I agree. Steven, what do you think about it? I love Star Wars. And I love all Star Wars. I love all the movies. Anyone who, I mean, obviously there are some that are better than others. Mm-hmm. But I'm very excited for this because it looks like EA didn't screw it up entirely. Um, because they let Respawn Studios do it, who did the story mode for Titanfall 2, which was really good. And I feel like we're going to get a lot more of that kind of story content. And the main character is played by um, the kid who was in the show Shameless. Cameron Monaghan. Yes, that's his name. Mm-hmm. He's a really good actor, too. And he's in Gotham as well as the Joker. Yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, Jerome, I, not the I'm, Joker. Yeah. I'm pretty pumped uh, because... We haven't gotten a good Star Wars. Like, there was a time where, like, Lucasfilms came out with Star Wars games and was just, like, killing it in the game. Like, Lucasfilms was making some amazing games. Star Wars was this billion-dollar franchise that was out there making some amazing video games. And then there was a period of time where every Star Wars game that came out was, like, total shite. We haven't had a good Star Wars game in a very long time. And we've had a whole bunch of Star Wars games that looked fucking amazing, get canceled last second. So I just think fans of Star Wars video games really deserve a good game. And I think Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is going to deliver on that. 
And I think that because the gameplay has looked so good, it's very reminiscent of uh, The Force Unleashed, which, which was a super good. good game. What was that? The Force Unleashed was really good. Yeah, it was the awesome. The first one was really good. And all you need is a story-driven hack-and-slash game where you just feel like a motherfucking badass. Yeah, that's Star Wars. That's literally all we want. That's it. And so when you get games like uh, Battlefront came out, like, I, like good, I guess, for a niche audience, but like majority of Star Wars fans expect a certain type of game, and we just haven't seen that in so long. Good. That's <laughs> good yes exactly yes so i don't know i'm pretty excited about star wars jedi fallen order um we haven't got much on the game i was kind of looking for like research topics for this um we've gotten some trailers uh there's been a good bit of trail. gameplay what was that there's been a good bit of gameplay released that's true and like but i didn't have much to say on it i was like yeah no that's exactly what we want it's some story-driven hack-and-slash adventure where you get to destroy things. Yeah, looks good. I'm like, I'm fucking sold. That's good. Sign me up. That's all I need. Yeah. So Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is coming out this Friday, November 15th? Yep. Yep. Wow, that was a total guess. Boom. November 15th, uh, same day as Pokemon, so you guys can... Uh, Send off on that. Look forward to that. So you guys can comment below on what you're excited about it, when you think about it, and so on and so forth. Alrighty. Now we can come up, we can go into some upcoming games that are coming out. The two big ones, obviously, are Pokemon uh, Sword and Shield, which is coming out November 15th, and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, also coming out November 15th. All right, some other games coming out. Uh, there was a couple of games coming out today, November 11th, uh, Romancing Saga 3 and The Mims Beginning for Nintendo Switch. Um, don't know what those are, but they sound uh, okay, I guess. On uh, November 12th, we got Yaga uh, coming to PC, PS4, Xbox One, pretty much everything. Uh, Mad Games Tycoon, never heard of that. Uh, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch. On November 13th, we got Last Labyrinth coming to PC and PS4. Uh, Mercenaries, Wings, The False Phoenix, PS4. Spider Solitaire, F coming to Xbox One. Spider Solitaire? Do we really need another Spider Solitaire game? Sure. No, we don't. That was like the default PC game back in like the 90s. I was <laughs> boss at Spider Solitaire. <laughs> you put that on the resume? Yeah. Nice. Champion Spider Solitaire player. <laughs> uh, November 13th, we also have Hold Down coming on a Nintendo Switch. Never heard of it. November 14th, Fractured Minds coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Some Distant Memory coming to PC and Nintendo Switch. Scarlet Mysteries, Cursed Child coming to Xbox One, Nintendo Switch. There are a lot of games coming out this week. My gosh. Tracks the Train, a set game coming to Xbox One. Uh, coming to PC, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, we have B Simulator, which actually sounds pretty good. B? B yeah, Simulator. B. Like, Buzz Buzz. Amazing. I would, I would absolutely. I would play that. Yeah. On the note of B Simulator, I hope that what it actually is is that you're actually controlling drones of bees and using them to pollinate the earth so we don't die. It's <laughs> so true. There has to be some sort of message behind it. I agree. You can't just you can't just have all the fun with bees and then take them out of the world. You can't just do it. Nope. Um, on, on November 14th, we also have, for Nintendo Switch only, Galactic Defense Squadron, Labyrinth of the Witch, which sounds pretty good, Perils of Baking, okay, uh, Push the Crate, Rocket Wars, Squidgies Takeover, mm -hmm, all right, Sudoku Relax 3, Autumn Leaves, that actually sounds pretty relaxing, Balthazar's Dream, and Overlanders, and then November 15th, we have Woven the Game, coming to PS. Uh, PC, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, uh, which we've talked about. PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Tokyo Ghoul, Call to Exist, um, which I've heard rave reviews about the anime, but never watched it. Uh, Astroneer coming to PS4. On PC only, we have Terminator Resistance, Biker Garage, Mechanic Simulator. Uh, on Xbox One only, we have Tokyo Warfare, Turbo, and Valtheris. And then for Nintendo Switch only, we've got Mars Power Industries, Tactical Mind 2, Let's Sing 2020, Go Fish Go, and then, of course, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Never heard of it. 
<laughs> and that was our upcoming video games for the week, uh, presented by Dennis, uh, who's a writer for Games Hobby and are also one of our content managers. So thank you, Dennis, for that. Um, and now let's get into some featured content on the website. Let's talk about N7 Day. So, M, did you want to talk about what N7 Day is and what you and Steven did? I do. Um, N7 Day, November 7th. It's a day to celebrate Mass Effect, which we love. And <laughs> <laughs> Steven looks so happy, or he might just be frozen like that. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and so we wrote um, an article where we answered some questions about the relatability of the Mass Effect protagonists because we both love Mass Effect so much. And that was pretty cool. So you can check that out. Um, on N7 Day, there was lots of cool stuff shared by some of the devs, lots of fans, lots of fan art and stuff going around, which was pretty cool. Lots of people being thirsty about aliens, which I'm always here for. <laughs> Jesus. It's so true, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tweeted that people were being thirsty about aliens, and a lot of people liked that tweet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they knew. They knew. Yeah. So who is Certainly the, <laughs> So who is the most uh, relatable Mass Effect protagonist? For me, it's Ryder, uh, who's the protagonist in Mass Effect Andromeda. And I actually made a new Mass Effect playthrough for Andromeda on N7 Day, and I made her look like me, and then I tried to make the twin look like Steven, so I'll send us out some pictures of that. <laughs> That's awesome. Steven, I really hope it was more relatable. Well, first, I really hope that Emily used the like one of the only pictures that I sent to the Slack chat, where it's me where my beard is all huge, and I'm just like, <laughs> I hope that's the picture she used. But no, mine is uh, mine. I actually re relate more to uh, Shepard, the protagonist from the um, Reaper trilogy, um, which is the first three games for you, Tyler. Since I know you are a plebe. Yeah, I've never played Mass Effect. It's just the way she goes, boys. <laughs> it's not for everybody. It's All the right. way she goes. <laughs> no, uh, I just I like I like Shepard Shepherd more because he's more of the action oriented, um, act first, ask questions later type of yeah. guy. Um, and that's uh, that's kind of how I am sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't think things through. That's why I play a fighter in D and D. <laughs> to think, just got to hit, get hit. <laughs> so, did you guys like Andromeda? Like, was it worth all the drama that came with it? Andromeda is yeah. probably one of my most played games. Wow, it's great. So, it wasn't worth the drama that came with it. No. no. Caught a lot of shit because people one hate EA and two there were some like bugs that were fixed within the first week that people that probably should have been fixed before the game was released yeah okay <laughs> so would you guys recommend like andromeda for anybody listening to the podcast yeah if you like mass effect yeah yeah do you have to know like anything about the trilogy like the first trilogy before you hop into andromeda nope nope, nope. just hop in and play you're good to go yeah. And yeah. final question about that is why is Garrus the best squad mate? And who is Garrus? Fuck off, Tyler. <laughs> I don't know who Garrus is. Garrus is he's space Batman with guns. <laughs> Shit. Space he's, guns? Yes, those. He's your bro. He's yeah. your space bro. The ultimate space bro, that's what you call them in your article. He is. He's Emily's ultimate space bay. <laughs> True. So, Emily, um, you got a thing for Garrus? Yeah, he's cool. As everyone should. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. No, N7 Day was cool to like watch on Twitter and watch everybody like be such a fan of a game because I don't think a lot of video games have something like N7 Day. So, just from like a cultural standpoint, I was like, wow, it's like really cool to see like a celebration of a franchise on a specific day like that. The only other thing I can think of is like Star Wars on May 4th. Well, get hyped for December 4th because that's Dragon Age Day, so. <laughs> yeah, 
The one yeah. that was annoying for N7 Day. Prepare yourself. Why is N7 Day like on November 7th? Can you explain N7, like the origins of N7 Day a little bit? Emily, do you want to take that one? What? Ooh. You can do it. <laughs> well, like N7 is, uh, it's the specter status for um, Mass Effect, like the original, re the first three games, specter was like this special agent. He was like the SEAL Team 6 of um of the space marines i guess you'd call it yeah but that's like the highest like rank that someone can really get in a military it lets you operate outside the law yeah it's licensed to kill damn okay that makes a lot of sense yeah and it happens to be represented by n7 because the ranks are like n1 2 3 4 5 6 and then 7 is the top yeah Okay, it's got, no. it's got like armor and stuff. So like all the yeah. coolest armor and gear in the game is the N7 gear. So any cool Mass Effect stuff. I have an N7 backpack. That's my D&D backpack that I put all my stuff in. Damn. Yeah, yeah N7 Day was pretty cool. I think you guys did a good job at kind of like uh, exploring a lot of the characters in the game with your articles. So for anybody listening or watching, you can go check that out at gamesavvy.net. Um, we have uh, a very special N7 Day article up there called Suiting Up, a look at the relatability of Mass Effect's protagonists, written by M and Steven. And you can also comment below on what you think about Mass Effect and if you've also never played it, so I don't feel alone. Also, check out our other article where we ranked all the squad mates from last year. That's true. Last year we had another N7 Day. Yeah, did we link to that in the article? I'm going to check that right now. I'll check it later. It, I don't know. It's fine. So next up on the docket is my Link's Awakening article. And here's the deal. I was playing through Link's Awakening and Marissa was watching me and she asked some questions like, uh, why is there an egg on a mountain? And why do you have to crack the egg? And why are there just floating random instruments in all these dungeons that you're going to? And who is that owl? And my answer to a lot of it was, I don't know. And it made me realize that Link's Awakening had a pretty bad story. Uh, in fact, a non-existent story. And it kind of fails to answer the basic questions of who, what, where, when, and why. And so I kind of started thinking about all other Nintendo games. This is what all the article is about. I started thinking about all other Nintendo games and how Nintendo has been pushing the same story for a lot of their games for the last like 30 years. Mario goes and saves the princess. Link goes and saves the princess. Metroid is some mission you have to go on. Like, um, there's another one, Pokemon is all kind of the same thing. You get the eight badges, Elite Four, there's some villain, Team Rocket Team. Dog fighting. Exactly. So I kind of started looking at it and I was like, wow, it, it's crazy that a lot of these Nintendo franchises have become as big as they are after pushing the same story for so many years. And I kind of started getting into the analysis a little bit and I kind of came to the conclusion that a lot of their games are timeless. Like, you can hop into 1995's Pokemon Red and Blue or 1996's Pokemon Red and Blue, and it'd still be, like, an indie game that came out, like, yesterday. And you're like, wow, what an amazing game. I think the strength of Nintendo really comes from their game design, and they focus on making these, like, fun games where narrative isn't the most important thing. I think that's where they get their, like, timelessness, and that's why their games are as big as they are. So, I don't know. What do you guys think about Nintendo's storytelling in general? And, and Steven, maybe we'll start with you. I have opinions about Nintendo. Mostly Mario. Mario sucks. There hasn't been a good Mario game. Like, Mario Sunshine was fun. It was good. And then after that, I didn't play any of the other ones. Did you play Odyssey? I watched Sharon play it. Odyssey she was a lot of fun. I didn't. I didn't at all. I did not have any desire to play it whatsoever. But I saw it, and I'm like, hmm. That looks better than Super Mario 64, but is it? <laughs> because like you said, they've released the same fucking game for the last 30 years. Sure. And also, um, Link saved more than a princess. He saves the entire kingdom, but whatever. I mean, technically Zelda saves the entire kingdom. Link just saves the princess. Well, no, uh, they have to do it together, so. Well... I mean, not technically. I mean, Link has one part in the big machine. He's just one cog. Saves the princess, but without Zelda, he wouldn't be able to actually defeat Ganon. So. 
Okay, well, she doesn't really fight him, so... Well, she kind of does, you know. She uses her powers to... Well, she doesn't. Slice him in half, but so... she her, doesn't. Her light powers, so, you know. Yeah, agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I loved Breath of the Wild, and I think that's, that's why people are so divisive of Breath of the Wild, too, is because gameplay-wise and game design-wise, it's brilliant. Like, it's a masterpiece. It's like 10 out of 10 so good. Story-wise, it's kind of a hot pile of garbage. Like, you just have yeah. the same four bosses over and over again that are, like, a little bit different, but they're even in, like, the same levels. And it's just kind of like, wow, Ocarina of Time had way better dungeons. Yeah, I did not like Breath of the Wild. Really? Just straight up, just none of it impressed you? I, I thought it was a great, like, action adventure game like action adventure yeah. RPG game yeah great in that aspect horrible Zelda game damn I okay. don't like I didn't think I didn't like how they did like all the shrines and everything yeah that like was just a way to split up puzzles that could have easily been placed in a dungeon yeah like they would have been in Ocarina of Time or to a lesser degree Twilight Princess yeah so I'm, you know it would be so cool if they would just come out and be like, hey, Majora's the bad guy. Majora used magic to eliminate something and like seven new dungeons popped up in the same map that you already have. Like just give me Hyrule with like better dungeons and Majora's the bad guy and I'll buy that game. 100%. Did you like Majora's Mask? I loved it. Yeah. I never beat it because as a child, it scared the shit out of me. Same, I never finished either. Yeah, it did. It's very anxiety inducing because the moon's coming to kill you and time's running out and you're like, ah, I'm too young for this. Yeah. And what do you think about Nintendo games? Um, my favorite Zelda game is Phantom Hourglass where you save a princess, but on a boat. So that's different. Wind Waker um, does that Mario has no story. Like, there's a bullshit one made up later. Yeah. Like, yeah. whatever. But do you think it needs a story? Or do you no. think it plays just as a platformer? Yeah. Yeah. It does need a story. But. Also bad. <laughs> I mean, the last Mario game I played was like Mario 3. So. Could have stopped there, right? <laughs> yeah. That's all you need. Yeah, it's so true. And they re-release it on everything, so... What's, what's great is that you can go back and play those games and they still feel like they were made yesterday. Like, they don't feel old at all. When you play N64 games, you're like, wow, this is really outdated. But when you go back to, like, Super Nintendo and you start playing, like, A, uh, a Link to the Past, you're like, yep, this is, like, still pretty fucking good. On the... No I will say that the Paper Mario games... Best Nintendo games. Yeah, those are pretty sick, actually. I agree. Yeah. And I think Sterling would agree with you, too. Yeah, well, I don't care what Sterling says, because he's a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> he's been pushing that thousand-year door for so long. He wants a remake of that so bad. So do I. Maybe he'll get it one day. So what do you guys think? Do you guys think uh, Nintendo... I was going to say Zelda. Do you guys think Nintendo's been pushing the same story for the last 30 years? Comment below. If you think we're idiots, you can also comment below. We'll just delete the comments. And I will attack you with the north. <laughs> but I'm actually having a I'm actually having a lot of fun with Link's uh, uh, Link's Awakening. Um, it's just like this like cute little dungeon crawler. I'm like the gameplay's keeping me hooked. But yeah, I'm just like the story is like so non-existent and makes no sense that I had to write an article about it, and that's why that came up. I guess I the just... go ahead, Em. Oh, I was gonna say I should get some comment from my dad because my dad's like the biggest Zelda fan that I know. And he's also an old man who likes to rant, so I should just like ask him what his opinion on Zelda stories are. Yeah, you should come back with that. You should great gameplay, great gameplay, terrible stories. Yeah, and that would be a great article. Like I interviewed my fifty-year-old dad about Zelda. This is what he had to say. I would, I would click that piece every time. Let me do it. Let me interview your dad. That would be better. <laughs> so that's pretty much it for featured content on the website um and now we can get into some fan submitted questions uh if you guys want to see what else we got on the website you can go to gamesavvy.net or you can follow us on twitter at gamesavvy uh or you can find us on facebook just facebook.com slash gamesavvy so we got some fan submitted questions 
Uh, and one of them is from former Game Savvy writer, uh, What the Famicom. And uh, he says, why hasn't there been a game sequel to Shadows of the Empire? Do you guys remember Shadows of the Empire? Yeah, it was a dope Star Wars game that came out like 10, 15 years ago. But no, it was, on, it was older than that. It was a dope-ass Star Wars game. And I think the conclusion to that is, is I think we talked about it a little bit, that Lucasfilms for a little bit was just dominating the scene, making some awesome-ass Star Wars games. And then for a while, they just sucked balls. That was the one with Kyle Katarn, wasn't it? I don't remember. Me neither. But I think that's just what happened. I think Lucasfilms just went through a weird period. I know that like making a Star Wars game for... I read a story about it. Um, it was by the uh, Jason Schreier from over at Kotaku wrote uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. And uh, they were talking about uh, the fall of that Star Wars 2077 that was supposed to come out, or I can't remember what it was called. Mm, yeah. But he was saying that like making games for George Lucas was like a nightmare because they would all have a direction and they would all start working on it. And then George Lucas would come in and be like, no, I want the lead character to be Boba Fett. And then all their mechanics would be like a, like a third person shooter with Han Solo. And it's like, wow, now we got to introduce flying. We've got to introduce all these other mechanics. And so it would just derail the project every single time. And so I think that after once Lucas films uh, or George Lucas started getting his hands a little bit more on these games that development, a lot of them uh, got like sidetracked and derailed a lot of the times. I think that's why we had so many shitty Lucasfilms games and Star Wars games. And then once it transferred over to EA, I think EA's philosophy kind of ruined that a little bit too. Um, getting away from like the first person action adventure game and venturing more towards the uh, competitive shooter type games. And they thought Star Wars was a good franchise for that. So to answer that question, I think George Lucas was the ruin of good Star Wars games. And that's why we don't have a sequel to it. Do you guys yeah, have no. anything to say on that? No. Uh, and you play as Dash Rindar in uh, Shadows of the Empire. Nice. So I think that pretty much answers that question. Thank you so much for your question. We appreciate that. If you want to answer or submit questions to uh, the Game Savvy podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Game Savvy and uh, submit your questions there whenever you see the, uh, the tweets and the Twitter. You can also DM us with your questions too. That's fine as well. And we will answer your question on the podcast. So this next question, uh, more of a statement, uh, more of a demand comes yeah. from uh, Rauch Gravy. Uh, at Rogue's Gravy. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, but he says, talk about Disco Elysium. So I started looking up some Disco Elysium reviews. Have you guys heard of this game at all? No. I have not, but it looks like old school, like kind of Fallout-esque. Right? And not only that, but if you look up the reviews for this game, it's like straight nines out of tens on Steam. It has a 10 out of 10 right now. Like it is a super well-reviewed game and I haven't heard anything about it which I think is weird. I think that's the story right now. So it's got a 95 out of 100 on WCCF Tech. It's got a 10 out of 10 Canada, uh, Canada, Canard? Canard PC. I thought it said Canada PC. Eurogamer gave it a 90 out of 100. IGN gave it a 96 out of 100. Um, what does that say? Daily Star gave it five stars. Just like insanely good reviews across the board. So I just wanted to talk about game a little bit because it doesn't seem to be getting coverage. Steven, did you want to say something? Yeah, you skipped the one um, thing that everyone seems to care about, which is Metacritic, and it got 90%. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Metacritic, 90%. Yeah, so just insanely good reviews across the board. Em, you haven't played this game at all? No. So Disco Elysium is a groundbreaking open-world role-playing game you're a detective with a unique skill system at your disposal and a whole city block to carve your path across. Interrogate unforgettable characters, crack murders to take bribe or take bribe, sorry. Become a hero or an absolute disaster of a human being. So some features include unprecedented freedom of choice. So you can intimidate, you can sweet talk people, you can get them to do what you want basically. Um, countless tools for role, play, role playing. So you can mix and match from 24 widely different skills develop a personal stuff with 80 clothing items, which is pretty cool. Um, it's got a revolutionary dialogue system with unforgettable characters. Um, and uh, it says you can carve you, your unique path across the city. So I don't know. It seems like a pretty cool game. Yeah, it does look like kind of like an old school 
Fallout kind of game. Like a point-and-click adventure kind of? Like not yeah. Sam and Max, but more Fallout, like with some turn-based combat. And that guy has a sweet mustache. Yeah. This looks like all the things I love. Yeah. <laughs> you find it weird that nobody's talking about this game? How have I not heard about it? Maybe it's because it's like, is it Steam only? Is it out on other platforms? Like It's on Windows. It looks like it's Microsoft Windows only. So it's PC, PC only basically. Yeah. Because it's on Steam right now. So I don't know. I just found it weird that this game um, has such good reviews, but little exposure, even though it's got reviews on like IGN and stuff. So uh, I, I like, I kind of saw the tweet and it was like, ah, I'm not really, I don't like to talk about games I don't know about. Um, I like to talk about stuff I do know about, but I thought this game kind of deserved a shout out. So thank you, Rouks Gravy, for that suggestion. Uh, we talked about Disco Elysium. It looks like a really good game. And for the YouTube channel, I'm going to throw highlights of the game so you guys can watch the gameplay a little bit and hopefully uh, sell you on buying some a little bit of Disco Elysium. Looks really good. Yeah, it does yeah look- I might check it out. Yeah. yeah, same. And the last question comes from Jay McNulty 91 He's also known as uh, some Canadian guy on YouTube. Uh, does various videos and stuff. He's pretty funny. Um, he says, do you think the Stadia is going to be able to compete with current-gen consoles and even next-gen consoles? I... Whoever wrote Wieners was blocking the <laughs> sentence. <laughs> and I couldn't see. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know... Um, we are not in the same country, a lot of us, uh, or if we are, we're not in the same province. And uh, for those who aren't Canadian provinces, they're like states in Canada. Um, there's like five of them, right? Well, there's, I think there's like 12. There's 10 and three territories. But okay, the territories well, we have became 50 from... states. <laughs> yeah, but and we they're have... all bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> It's, I don't know. Uh, Alaska's all right. That's just like North Canada. No, no. Quality over quantity. Sorry. But do you guys think the Stadia is going to be able to compete with current gen consoles or even next gen consoles? Thoughts. And we'll start with Eni. Start with Emily because I have words. Okay. M, do you think Google Stadia is going to be able to compete? No. I think it's going to be one of those things that is there for a bit, like 10 people get it and try really hard to make it cool, but fail. And then it just goes away. Like the ooh yeah. Yeah. So like game streaming does kind of seem like the future of like where it's going. So with Google's resources, do you not think Google Stadia could evolve into like mainstream gaming? I think that it'll be things that everyone already has that they're going to want to stick to. Like everyone in gaming has brand loyalty. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about uh, Xbox versus Google is that Microsoft and Google are kind of like the big five tech companies that rule the world right now. Um, so what's interesting is that Google and even Apple at this point too, Apple's getting into the gaming scene. And so I'm kind of curious as to the thought of Xbox never making a console again and making its Game Pass platform available for like, like basically if you were to be able to play Game Pass on a PlayStation or on your Apple device or on your Google device, um, because the companies kind of collude a lot in that sense. Um, and I don't think that it's smart for people like Apple and Google to compete with already established players like Microsoft. So I don't know, do you have any thoughts on that, on the future of like Xbox and Sony when it comes to streaming games? I think everything is just going to be easily like we'll probably just have it all on our TV already. Like, oh, you can download this onto your TV. Like smart TVs and stuff. Play your game, yeah. Like but the you, less things I have in my living room, the happier I'm going to be. So. Yeah. Do you ha- do you ha- do you guys know if you have to buy like a console or something for Google Stadia, or will it just be an app that you download? It's. I'm pretty sure it's just an app, and then you like have the controller. Mm-hmm. Okay. All streamed. It's like it's kind of like the Google Chrome. It looks like where it just plugs into your TV or computer or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen, you said you had some thoughts on Google Stadia. I think it's very stupid. That's <laughs> thought. Tell me how you. Um, I don't. I don't like it. I don't. I don't think. Like I'm a huge advocate for um, Game Pass. I love it. I will preach about it until the day I die 
or until the day it dies and then i'll cry that it's not there anymore yeah but i don't think that stadia stadia google whatever you want to call it will i don't think it has enough traction or i also think that game pass as a games for service like streaming service already has such a head start that Stadia we either have to copy exactly what it's doing or become something entirely different mm-hmm. i don't think and also when you were talking about putting game pass on everything else i love that idea like i love game pass as a service i think it should be on all consoles all systems but i also think that xbox should stay to being its own thing I like Game Pass as a service, but I kind of wrote about the direction that Xbox is moving in, and it kind of seems like, and they've talked about the Game Pass being available on mobile, being available on other consoles as well. Switch. They want it to be everywhere, basically. So, to me, that spells like the death of the Microsoft console. I I think I wrote a whole article about it too, like maybe a year ago, because if if they've got all these users, like Netflix doesn't need a console, you know what I mean? And they've got billions of dollars. So why doesn't Microsoft do the same thing? And so I'm just curious about the future of gaming and are we even gonna need consoles anytime soon? Like could theoretically Sony, Nintendo and Xbox just put their streaming exclusives onto Google and Apple? I don't don't do that. I think because Microsoft wouldn't do it because it would give Google too much power over Google and Apple as tech companies too much power over them. Only Microsoft can be played. It's like the, uh, what is it? The Epic launcher, all the controversy with all that, it would just more exclusivity con- like controversy than what we already have. Yeah. I think everything will just be its own app, like how you have to pay for Netflix, plus you have to pay for Amazon Prime, video like each thing is just going to have its own subscription service if you want their specific games so do you think then game pass will move from downloading your content to streaming your content eventually i think they already tried that or they were that's how that was the original idea was to branch it into that and i don't think it will work because you then limit yourself to people like say me, I have a great internet connection, but say Tyler or Emily have a dog shit Emily, like a dog shit internet connection. Um, is that a weird Freudian slip? You want to say dog shit Emily? Like what? <laughs> well, I like looked up and she was just shaking her head. So, <laughs> so it caught my eye. Yeah, a dog shit internet connection. Um, so like me, I would have, I would be able to stream things at a higher bandwidth than you guys would yeah therefore if it's a competitive game it gives me an advantage over you and then if a game comes out on friday and i download it in a few hours on friday and emily starts downloading it on friday and it's not done until sunday because she lives in the woods um truth (laughs) it's it's limiting their it's limiting your consumers yeah i think i agree with that yeah i think it's just, I think Google's trying something and I think it could be something really great because I think that's where it's going, like the direction of the industry. Uh, but I think they might be launching it too early. Like mm-hmm. as we've seen, Microsoft came out with a touchscreen tablet in the early 90s and everyone thought that was weird and nobody bought it. Give it 10 years. Yeah. And then Apple came out with it 10 years later and it was like the greatest invention that's ever been made. So I think it's just going to be one of those things where Google goes to market first, it doesn't work. Um, and then Microsoft and Sony perfect it. And then that's where it works. That's my opinion on that. But I do love the idea of having game pass on everything. Yeah. Same. So in conclusion, uh, are they going to be able to compete with consoles? I think that was the question. So do we think on some level, it's going to compete with calls. Sorry, do you have to pay for Google Stadia? Is it like 20 bucks a month or something? It's a subscription service. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I um, Hold on, let me see here. Because like if I have a smart TV and I can just pay $20 a month and get games like Destiny and Assassin's Creed Odyssey, like it might be good for like the hardcore, like the non-hardcore gamers, especially if you have things like Call of Duty and all like the sports games come out. I think they could definitely compete with the consoles actually. So, 
Um, I mean, I agree to a point, but I mean, they're releasing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which originally came out last year. They're releasing it already a year late. They don't have a lot of things that are coming straight to it um, at launch. Like, like, there's not a lot of things that haven't already been released. It's stuff that I've already played on Xbox or PlayStation that they're now getting. Yeah. Like, Doom's going to be on there. Doom came out in 2016. They're just now launching on Stadia. Yeah. It's, it's not having enough new releases. And it doesn't have any launch titles. Like, the yeah. thing with, like, when you go to buy Xbox, the new Xbox, when it comes out, we already know that it's going to have Halo Infinite as a launch title. Yeah. PlayStation's going to have something awesome as a launch title. That's what people want. They want that, like, oh, I'm buying this, but I'm also getting this game that I've never played before. Not, oh, I'm buying this, but I'm playing a game that everyone else played four years ago. Yeah. I don't think that's a long longevity right now yep. like in 10 years maybe but right now i don't think that it has the strength to stand on its own yeah and i i disagree i think if they can get the right games like for example if you get madden fifa nhl on there if you get call of duty release on there and then if you get things like fortnite and minecraft on there uh, but minecraft being an xbox game so that probably won't happen but fortnite definitely i think you could definitely have it compete with the con- because there's this niche gamer that's like oh i play video games they're like oh what games do you play and they're like madden and nhl and stuff i'm like that's not really like yeah it's video games but it's not you're not really like a, i don't say you're not a gamer but like it's hard i can't talk to you about bioshock you know i can't talk to you about super mario so like i think there is that niche out there that don't want to buy the 500 console like if they're okay paying 20 dollars a month and they get all the games uh, I think they would like consoles in general would lose a lot of people buying those consoles. Just I think if they if they can buff it up enough that it's worthwhile when the next gen of consoles comes out, so that people are gonna do that instead of buying like the new Xbox or the new PlayStation, then they might get some chip hmm. jumpers that way. Yeah, one well, Stadia is gonna cost ten dollars. I just looked it up. It's ten dollars. Ten bucks. Yeah, and that's a pretty but, good to get people through the door. Like I said, well, like Emily said, brand loyalty is a thing that's going to play a huge factor. True. And also bandwidth. Like, yeah, you can stream your game up to 4K, but, I mean, if I'm only getting 16 megabytes a second, I'm not going to be streaming at 4K. Yeah. I get six. I'll be hitting, like, 480. Mm-hmm. And it'll look like I'm playing Super Mario 64. Emily, just so you know, I get like 150 on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They came to fix our internet this week and they bumped it up to eight. So we can do things while playing Xbox on our phones now. That's pretty crazy. The woods. (laughs) (laughs) The woods. The woods. But yeah, I agree. I'm like skeptical of technology. If it works and it's seamless, then fine. But if there's bugs, I think people are going to drop it pretty fast. And, and there I will think be. the old Nintendo motto is just the name of the game is the game, right? Like the console mm-hmm. with the games are going to sell and the console without the games aren't going to sell. We saw that uh, the first generation with 360. Uh, we saw that last generation with uh, Xbox versus PlayStation. Um, and we saw that back in the day versus Sega versus Nintendo. Like it's whoever has the better games is going to sell. So Stadia's just got to ramp up its games and I think it'll sell. That's the- what are the, my thing is, what are the odds of a company like like a Bungie company or something like that going straight to Stadia and be like, hey, we only want to release our games on your platform? Yeah. With Stadia, I don't think that will happen. I think if Google offers enough money, and I think they have the money to, I think they definitely will. Like, if you go to, if you go to a, a studio, like, I'm trying to think of somebody big right now. But I mean, Bungie's a good one because Bungie's technically an indie studio. Like they're not with any other company, right? Like if you were, well, technically they're with Activision. But if you were to go to Bungie and be not like, more. billion dollars to release on Google Stadia, I, I think they'll do it. Yeah, but then you're just buying, it's like, okay, I'll give you a billion dollars now or I'll go to Microsoft. They're going to pay me $250 million, but they already have millions of players that are going to be playing the game, buying the game. Yeah. And- constantly putting more money in with microtransactions, which is a whole nother discussion that I won't get into right now. <laughs> <clears throat> I actually like microtransactions when they're done well, but that's a discussion for a whole other day. 
but no, I, yeah, I agree. I think it's just gonna, yeah, it's just gonna be wait and see on the technology, wait and see on the game. So, thank you, Jay McNulty ninety one, for submitting your question. We appreciate that. Some Canadian guy on Twitter, you can find him at Jay McNulty ninety one, or you can type out some Canadian guy on YouTube to find out his YouTube channel. So I think that's pretty much it for the uh, podcast today. I think it was we got some pretty good discussion going. Talked about Death Stranding and Pokemon and Star Wars and Link's Awakening. Answered some fan questions. So. Thank you so much. If you want to answer, if you want your questions answered on the podcast, just find us uh, at Twitter at Game Savvy. Um, you can submit your questions there. You can DM us or you can look for the tweets asking for you to submit your questions and you can uh, put your reply there. Also visit us at GameSavvy.net to check out our content uh, where we're writing new content every week. Um, and thank you so much for listening. And uh, we will see you next time. So... Stay savvy, my friends. I hate this. <laughs> this is my least favorite part. Hashtag Team Mr. Rhyme.